Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Woodchat. I'm Sam. And I'm Georgia, your new co-host. It is a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited actually to learn about some of the incredible innovations that are happening in the world of forestry. Welcome on board. It's great to have you here. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at how a technology known as 3D printing could be harnessed to support construction in ways that conventional technologies cannot. Yeah, that's right. Researchers are exploring ways of advancing 3D printing to build construction elements that are increasingly complex and strong and aesthetically pleasing. But where does wood factor into the equation? Well, one research project currently being conducted at the University of Sydney in partnership with Forest and Wood Products Australia is looking at taking timber waste products such as sawdust and lignin combined with recycled plastic composites. The result? A high-performance construction material created using a 3D printer with an end product made entirely from components that would otherwise have simply gone to waste. It's essentially upcycling, but on a much larger scale. As you can imagine, if this technology proves to be successful, the benefits to both the construction and forestry industries could be many and varied. Imagine being able to build entire buildings or even entire cities by using this process. But just how realistic is it? Where are we at right now? And what other hopes for the future? We spoke to Associate Professor Sandra Loschk, Director of Architecture, Design and Technology at the University of Sydney, to find out more. Would I be able to ask you just to tell us a bit about your own background? So many of my publications look into um, new materials, how they've been developed, um, how architects were actually at the forefront of experimenting with them or providing input into their development, and how they have been um, marketed. So there's these sort of technical aspects, but also the kind of um, more emotive and aesthetic aspects coming together. And so what led you to this project? I have a really long-standing interest in materials, but I also have a long-standing interest in um, advanced technologies. So the interest in this project was really coming from um, 3D printing and the larger question of what 3D printing would actually allow us to do that conventional technologies don't let us do. You're able just to explain the concept of 3D printing. So it's very much similar to um, an, a normal kind of extrusion process where you have a nozzle, you feed material into it, it is being heated um, and then it is being applied to a surface and then it hardens and you build up the object layer by layer. Often 3D printing is used to um, mimic other construction processes. We've seen it used for concrete, where concrete walls are built up layer by layer, but there's still a traditional reinforcement bars and steel that needs to be added. I was really more interested in, in seeing what the 3D printing in itself could give us um, that doesn't rely on traditional construction techniques, but gives us new ways of designing on building elements. Could you give us an overview of what this project is all about? So this project has two very distinct um, parts that are interrelated. Um, one of them is really looking at technology. How can we actually advance 3D printing to build an element that is geometrically um, complex, but also quite um, strong and aesthetically um, pleasing? We are looking at timber plastic composites, so how recycled plastics and timber waste can come together to build a high-performance um, material. 
and we are particularly interested in how 3D printing allows us to grade a material. That means that how it can actually be fluidly varied, so how we can change the composition of the material within. And to what end? So if we think of a traditional external wall element, um, it would be usually a combination of very, very different systems that all have very different performances and function within that wall. So it's a kind of mechanical layering of different material systems. For example, um, it would be an external layer that would be for weather protection, it would be battens for um, a cavity, it would have a membrane for um, moisture insulation, and it would have um, rock wool or something for insulation, and then a finishing layer for aesthetics. So there are quite a number of different things coming together, being mechanically fixed, having interfaces. 3D printing can eliminate all this. If you can actually vary the composition of the material to be, for example, more weather resistant um, on the outside, to be more porous on the inside, to take on acoustic and insulating functions, you could actually do everything that all these systems do with all these different materials in one step by just changing the composition. What was the prompter for undertaking this research? The construction industry in particular, and this is my um, personal interest, it's basically very much lagging behind other industries. Much of labour is still um, being done manual, there's very limited use of prefabrication, and um, other industries are way ahead. For example, 3D printing is already used in the automotive industry, where smaller parts are 3D printed. So um, it is already beginning to be taken up um, elsewhere, but not in construction. So I think that's a really big opportunity to um, improve the quality of um, building elements, but also to reduce the amount of um, skilled labor that is actually required for building. Is it happening elsewhere in the world, or are we leading the way? Uh, well, um, it is happening elsewhere in the world. I think we are probably um, part of a group of people who are leading the way in terms of using timber. Most of the advances in 3D printing have um, occurred in concrete and other materials, but timber really um, is kind of lagging behind. So the idea of working with different timber composites, testing different timber species to make a, to make a new material from what is in essence waste, that's a fairly new idea. Could you give me some examples of those waste products that are being put to use? Yeah, so for, um, for our 3D printing elements, we've used mainly sawdust from Australian species, so red gum, um, grey box, um, but we've also um, tried more popular species that are used globally, like pine, and we've used ABS plastic. So um, plastics, particularly in Australia, is a big issue. We are meant to recycle them, but we're largely storing them, and um, most of them don't actually go back into the product chain. So 3D printing offers fantastic opportunities for making good use of these materials and actually um, valorizing them. So we're actually upcycling them. So there's a, a definite environmental benefit then? There's an enormous um, environmental benefit in terms of using um, very little um, more resources. But there's also an enormous benefit on the other hand, uh, end of the um, life chain. So end-of-life management is particularly good for 3D printed elements. We have used our elements and reground them and reprinted them and we found that they actually don't lose performance. So it's an amazing advantage for a product that um, you can actually have 
a closed loop to lead directly from end of life to into back into the production chain. And so what's the, the process then? Would you be able to sort of walk us through how you get to the point of having that product? Um, so it basically starts with obtaining the materials. So we use um, sawdust that we get regularly from sawmills. Um, we grind it down to the sizes we want and then we sift them. So we've been working with different particle sizes which we um, achieve through different kind of sieving processes. And then we mix them with plastic pellets, so ABS plastics, and we create what is called a filament. So basically we filter the materials, we heat them and we um, extrude something that is, you can almost imagine it like a yarn or a thread made out of the wood plastic composite. And it's this thread that then gets fed back into the printer head where it's heated again and then it's applied to um, a surface layer by layer. So it's the heat and the chemical reaction between the elements that actually creates the product. And I should mention that um, it also requires a very small percentage of um, binder. So it's called maleic anhydride is what we're using. And that helps the binding action between the plastic and the timber. And what are the benefits then to industry? I think it's the one-step process, which is really quite amazing, whereas other processes still require multiple steps. Uh, for example, on pretty much most additive processes where you, you have a material, you um, saw it, you cut it, um, you assemble it, you mechanically fix it, and then you have a finishing step in terms of polishing as well. All these steps become unnecessary, so in 3D printing you have one step. But it's also, uh, of course, saving labour um, and time. Can it be done sort of on-site? So you, are you reducing the need to kind of transport materials? It can be done on-site. It can also be done um, with local materials. That's why it's actually interesting to try different kinds of species. So theoretically, sawdust um, or timber particles are available in most sites across Australia. I mean, the ultimate dream for 3D printing is really just to print entire buildings or people even dream of entire cities. You, know, you can almost imagine you have a portable printer and it just moves around the perimeter of a building and builds up the walls. How far off is the reality of that? It's not that far off. So in China, using concrete, they have already started to do this. But I think, again, what is holding us back is the way that we think about it still. So with concrete, we still mimic um, traditional construction. We still need to um, insert in reinforcement bars. Um, so it's really a finding a way of you know, how you can use the process to do things in, in a different way. What have been the main findings or outcomes of your work to date? So the, the main findings have been, um, there have been a number. So one of them is definitely to produce an element that actually is close to um, natural timber. So on one hand, we've been trying to increase the um, timber um, percentage in the composite and we have been able to go up to 40%. Uh, with the materials still being printable. We have also tried to um, replace the um, maleic anhydride, which is a chemical, with um, lignin, which is a natural timber waste product again. And we've also been very successful with this. Um, the other thing is to actually make it look like a timber element and to make it feel like timber. So it actually could be a more marketable product. To help this, we've developed a printing process that actually allows for the variation in color and appearance with a pattern that is 
fairly much would like. But we've also developed a process that allows um, us to create a texture, a very raw or natural texture that also gives it um, a kind of feel of timber and these kinds of tactile terms. Is it that you're kind of looking at, at two things and you're basically looking at functionality and also aesthetic? Are they kind of two separate aspects that you're kind of been re researching? Mm, they're kind of coming together in many ways because of course it needs to be functional but it's no good having a functional product if it's unattractive and not marketable. I think that's um, a big problem for many new products and um, they might not be appealing and if you can't actually market them or sell them they will just stay on the shelf. But in this case because it's one material functionality and aesthetics are actually really closely intertwined so we actually achieve the color by um, a slower printing process and by increasing the temperature so it's actually a slight charring of the material that creates the pattern. But we also, of course, had to mechanically test it because it changes the composition, but the performance structurally is the same. So appearance and material and aesthetics, it's all very closely interrelated. And so when it comes to that look and feel side of things, why is that so important? That's a very good question. Um, I think um, consumer research has actually shown that one of the reasons why um, composites are not so popular is because they are associated with hard surfaces, they are associated with unnaturalness, and that seems to be a, a big driver in the market. So to be able to achieve something that appears to be natural, that is um, soft and pleasant to the touch, uh, it seems to be quite important. Um, I think these are probably perceptions that are deeply ingrained in the human mind and they are probably hard to, to change so it's probably easier to actually produce something that corresponds to these consumer perceptions. We've spoken quite a bit about the benefits to the construction industry of this kind of product and, and technology. I was interested to know what you would foresee the benefits as being for the forestry industry. I think for the forestry industry, um, it's really the, the, cap the capacity to make use of waste materials. These materials are there anyway. It's not just sawdust, but it's also smaller offcuts that could be ground um, and reused. And it's actually part of a larger development that has already um, taken place from solid timber beams to um, engineered timber beams. It's, you know, the tendency has been to use smaller cutoffs and particles in a way um, that they haven't been used before. So ultimately this is the kind of final step in just using sawdust, which is literally the, the waste to create a high performance product. Where are we now in the process and what are the next steps? I think we're not far off to actually having this one adopted by industry. Um, it just takes some conviction. I think it takes some will for the future from the Australian construction industry in particular and um, probably some will to invest into research and development of new products. Are there kind of preconceptions or preconceived ideas that you're trying to overcome? I think there are always barriers to the market in um, terms of uh, if it's something that um, hasn't been tried and tested yet, there's always a risk associated with introducing new fabrication technologies and new materials. So I think it's maybe a little bit um, more enhanced in Australia where there's less willingness to invest in research and development of new products. But that is not to say that this can't change.
Sandra suggested speaking to Paul Kramer of XLAM, a leading provider of sustainable building solutions throughout New Zealand, Australia and beyond. Paul sits on the Micro Timber Research Project Steering Committee and, given his vast experience, we were keen to get his thoughts on what this could mean for the future of the construction industry. Hi Paul, and thanks for agreeing to chat to us today. Could you give me some detail about what your involvement's been to date with the steering committee? I guess my involvement was around that pragmatic, um, practical assessment of the project and what might be the utility of the research beyond just being a basic research project. And in terms of this particular research, what would you see as the main potential advantages for the construction industry? Yeah, so there's um, a number of things I was challenged to do, and that was to try and come up with what applications might the project uh, look at beyond uh, testing it from a um, you know a theoretical and then a pragmatic or practical perspective. Yeah. And the sort of domains that I thought might be useful would be in the design of products for specific applications, and I'll I'll go into those. The first one was where you've got very difficult or hard to get in places in construction and so the creation of more intricate internal ceiling linings or decorative panelization that could be printed and then you know on the ground and then hoisted up to the ceiling for example where if you were to send a tradesperson in with scaffolding and trying to get the same effect while you're hanging in the air, you wouldn't get the same effect as if it was in a controlled environment. And you, you certainly wouldn't be able to replicate what's in a, uh, a model that's been created on a computer either. So I think that that's the first sort of right application for, for the, the, the concept. The other one was unique connection details. So quite commonly, there's um, what's called parametric software um, that creates generative models. And if you're able to put into the parametric software algorithms around the connection details and how you might actually come up with a number of ways to connect a, I don't know, a facade panel to back to the building, for example, using a connection system. The printing gives you the capacity to, through software, create multiple uh, approaches to that. You might be able to 3D model that on a smaller scale 3D printer, and then you've got the capacity of translating that into a much larger scale that may be used for an actual building. And have you had any conversations with other members of the industry? How easy do you think it would be to get their buy-in for this kind of technology? Would you say it might be a tough sell? Uh, I think people are open to the concept. I guess what they're looking for is the roadmap between what's happening from a research perspective in a laboratory to how it actually commercialises. At XLAM ourselves, with trying to make cross-laminated timber work, uh, there is a number of gates you need to go through in order to justify, A, the expenditure for capital investment in, the, in a project. Then you have to look at your markets, and then you have to try and find how does the two join up that then can create, I guess, profit. There's some additional things that need to happen as well. The, the product is, is great as a, an outcome from a research project, but in the, in the real context, um, we have things like durability, its fire characteristics and its acoustic properties. And I guess there's probably six additional pragmatic tests that need to happen in order to provide confidence that if a tier one builder was 
spruiking for a, a tender on a project and they're awarded that contract, that they'd have confidence that what was being put in had conformity to the Australian standards and was actually going to be fit for the purpose it was intended. So if we look at things like concrete or more commonly now with mass timber construction CLT, we do rigorous, rigorous testing and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on making sure that it meets structural requirements and then you have fire and acoustics, etc. on top of that. And I guess the difference between concrete, which is formed, and cross-laminated timber, which is timber which is a naturally engineered product, but we don't reconstitute the timber like we do with 3D printing in a sort of a polymer or composite um, fashion. With 3D printing, the way that the structural elements are created is actually through the design. So using design parameters, we're opening up a vast array of possibilities in printing that aren't necessarily afforded to us at the moment by using material like timber, which is a natural material, or concrete, which can be formed. And what would you say is the potential for the adoption of this technology? So at the moment, there's actually people printing concrete buildings. So there's already printing capabilities. I guess the advantage with what we've got in this particular project is using timber material, wood fibre materials to be able to go into um, the printing composite rather than concrete. So you have a very good environmental case to start with around um, energy and carbon, etc. in your printing the the trick will really be that if it would need to be specific to a function in the building and first and foremost I think it'll be a decorative type approach and and you would probably find that the time savings you would get from a, a, a robot having somebody's absolute idea on a computer screen being printed would be a more direct digital fabrication pathway than someone coming in saying here's a drawing of what I've thought in my head how would you interpret this? And then the outcome could be vastly different. In the future, I think, of course, potentially if the technology from a printing perspective is correct and you get the formulation for for what goes into the printer from an extrusion point of view, you could, in theory, print large elements of buildings, including houses, etc. cetera. Uh, however, there'd be a, a, a long journey to try and understand how that would be more efficient than what we're doing in some of the construction sensors that we're doing now. However, given the construction industry hasn't changed for over 150 years, any advancement is a good advancement at this stage. So it sounds like from an industry perspective, this has incredible potential. It also reinforces the appetite for wood, or in this case, wood-like products to be used in construction and interiors. It makes sense when you consider how much we already know about people's general affection for timber. And then there's the advantages to the construction industry. So Paul mentioned uh, ease of access to hard to reach places during construction and in particular its potential for decorative use. But then surely access to a new high quality building element would have lots of other benefits. So reduced costs of labour, reduced material transportation costs, streamlined construction processes. And also don't forget the increased environmental creds of buildings that utilise waste timber and plastic products. Maybe one day there will be an entire city built using 3D printer micro timber, like Sandra said. And that's just about it for another edition of Woodchat. Make sure you join us next time for more on some of the exciting initiatives currently taking place in the Australian forestry industry.
don't forget to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes to make sure you never miss an app.